Hopkins on. Trying to throw. Will stand on his feet. Some nifty moves. How about this run from Granger? He'll have a first down at the sixth occurrence. Quick shot. Left side. There's Malachi Coy. First guy misses. Second guy misses. Across the 50. Flag in the play. He's free. Bye-bye. As I said before the break, 94 yards and a cloud of dust for Western Kentucky. State a team that won 12 games a year ago, got the Mountain West Championship game. Chance to get off the bat in their season, a conference opener, but it's Genty who slips the tackle, runs upfield, Preston Genty, touchdown! First down and 10, looking for that end zone. He's got Harvey, and that's a catch for a touchdown. Old Dominion breaks the ice with 7.05 to go here in the fourth. And Javon Harvey holds in touchdown number two on the year. The G5 Hive. All G5, all the time. Welcome to episode 11 of the G5 Hive, where we aim to bring you all the honey from week 10 in G5 college football. I am once again joined by a special guest tonight, Andrew Katz. How you doing, Andrew? What's up, bro? I'm dude. I'm pr- doing pretty good. It uh, if you really think about it, we're about halfway through the college football season when you factor in bowl season and dogs running back the third n- natty. Um, I, I know it's G five, <laughs> so I shouldn't be I shouldn't be uh doing that. But if you look around, that's right. That's really, right. Yeah, but yeah, about halfway through. If you're optimistic or pessimistic, depending on how you feel, um, how how ground down you feel at this point. But I'm trying to look at last last half full. Got um, playoffs starting up in season long formats, right? But I I, uh, I was gonna say for some the season's over, right? If you didn't make your playoffs, yeah, I get super into bowl season from like a fantasy perspective and from a gambling perspective. So that uh, I'll tr- I'll. I'll lock in for these next three weeks, and then it's kind of like let's turn over a new leaf and have some fun for bowl season. Yeah, I played in a few um, bowl fantasy leagues. They're pretty fun. Um, you know, I, I can dig them. Um, I, you, I feel like you got to have waivers though, right? Because especially nowadays, people are just like you know announced out. You know, so late. You know, after you after you have to have a draft. So, um, but yeah, th- those those are always fun leagues. I enjoy them. All right, um, so we're going to do things a little bit different this week. Luke is out. Luke is uh, out of town with work, um, so hopefully we'll be back next week. But, you know, we're not going to do the the top producers and the waivers this week. We've been talking about those guys for nine weeks now. Um, and, and, and like Andrew said, in most formats, uh, college fantasy formats anyway, uh, the regular season has ended, and um, – you know, you may or may not have the ability to have waivers open for the for the uh, the playoffs. Some leagues do, some leagues don't. Um, but anyway, we're we're gonna skip that this week, and we're just gonna you know mostly talk some college football. Um, kind of the the news that kind of shocked me today in, in the G five um, was the Eric McAllister news. You know, he uh, he announced that he is entering the portal and he will not be playing for Boise State the last three games, which just, I don't know, that just really shocks me, right? You you would think most times these announcements would come at the end of the season. Um, I mean, he just had, I think, 19 targets um, in the game on Saturday. So it certainly is not a lack of um, playing time or a lack of being featured in that offense. Um, I don't know. I don't know what you've heard. I've heard a couple different rumors whether like, you know, some NIL stuff didn't come through that they were promised or, you know, him just not liking Avalos at all. Um, you heard anything, Andrew? This feels like the uh, nth uh, indicator that Avalos needs to be canned ASAP, um, right? Yeah. Whether it comes down to on-field performance year over year, um, just kind of seeing how things have kind of played out from a personnel perspective, from a coaching staff perspective. The dude's got to go. Um I, I follow a few people, Boise people on Twitter talk about like a uh, Boise football a decent amount just because um, a, a bunch of uh, people in our college fantasy sphere are Boise fans. Um, so I feel like I have a decent feel for the pulse of the program. 
and it i i've heard and i feel like it's easy to agree with the idea that the program is at a tipping point where they could very much just kind of move back into the realm of being another another program like they have been something special and i think if they get the right make the right next hire they can remain uh something special special but you could you could also see them kind of fade back into just okay just an, another average above average program which is which is sad because i mean boise is awesome i've i've been to a boise game uh it was an awesome experience i i root uh pretty actively for boise uh, and just uh growing up and and seeing them rise uh to their peak like it, it was fun to root for them root for their story and really just haven't let go in that regard so it sucks seeing this play out um i'm a couple of my opponents in the fancy college fancy playoffs of leagues that i'm in have McAllister, so yeah, i'm okay with it in that regard I, big mean, blow. I have them i think in two spots and it's kind of a big blow for both of those teams. oh yeah it sucks they're, they're super deep leagues so it's not like i can just kind of replace them somewhat easily on a waiver wire or anything. So totally the uh, I, I heard the Avalos today uh, was basically trying to deflect and was saying that, you know, it was, re- it was because other schools are recruiting him illegally behind the scenes. Um, I mean, that, I'm not saying that's not true, but yeah, I, I, I feel like this is definitely more than just that. Right. Um, I feel like if it was just that, he probably plays the rest of the rest of the season out. Um, right. You can imagine like that kind of thing is not uncommon, um, especially at the G5 level. And you don't see all the best G5 players opting out or that. I guess that's not the applicable term here, right? Quitting on their team, however you want to phrase it. Right. Um, so you would think that there are more factors and realities at play than just, oh, he's the it's not like he's the only uh, G5 star who's being recruited by other programs right so absolutely absolutely it happens it happens all day every day i'm sure and and in the nil age right it's not necessarily a college that's recruiting them or a school it's you know because the nils those those um organizations foundations whatever you want to call them they're separate from the school right so you know those guys you know i mean i assume within reason they can kind of do whatever they want as far as Hey, we'll give we'll, we'll we got this nil deal for you, and if you come here or th- those kind of things. Um, I mean, it, yeah, I don't know. It, it's yeah. it's kind of ruining college football altogether. I feel like to a certain extent. Um, I'm all for the players getting getting paid. I think that you know that they they deserve a piece of the pie for sure. But this um, wild wild west, I guess, is 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 a little bit uh, is, is the is the the negative part of it, right? Um, and I don't think Boise State's done in that regard. I, 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 we've said on this show before, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that Taylor, I think me and you talked about last time with Taylor Green, right? That mm-hmm. um, there's no doubt he's he's gone after the end of this year. He's he's going to go somewhere where, I mean, maybe they make maybe they make a change and they can keep him, but he's going to go somewhere that's going to use him for his talents, right, and not force him to be a a pocket passer. And, and I've also heard rumblings today that. Um, Ashton Jinty is going to shut it down for the season, and also he's going to be out the door as well. Yeah, he, he's gone. He's gone. Um, and so, yeah, that's just, I mean, sad to see from, from a G5 perspective, but, you know, I understand it, I guess. Who um, who would you like to see come there? I think, to me, like, the obvious choice, I just don't know that they can afford him, is Kellen Moore, right? Um, you see it brought up. Um, right. But I think that when people talk about it rationally, like that's not the trajectory of Kellen's career at this point, like he's going to, his next job is probably an NFL coaching head coaching job. You would think. Yeah. Um, I don't know who, like I, I, isn't there another more that's an OC somewhere? Um, like, um, Kirby, that's a great call. Yeah. Kirby. My recollection of Kirby uh, at when he was playing at Boise is I would draft him every year and it never really panned out. Like he, you look at it, I, I, I recall his high school numbers being like record setting as a receiver. 
And I kept drafting him every year when he was at Boise and he had a few big games. So more or less like he, he let me down during his tenure, but like you see what he, he did as, I don't know if he was OC at Fresno or what, and now at Missouri, it's a great call though. Right. Like you could, yeah. I I would love that. Um, that would, I think that would be a lot of fun, but then you, you think about, so if we're, I, I don't love the idea of, especially if we're talking about a head coach hire, um hiring relative to your present personnel so like the the obvious like where my head goes is like well kirby moore and tail and green probably aren't a great match uh just from like a scheme and play calling perspective not to say kirby more can can adapt but just based on historically like top of mind right he's kind of done a lot more guys that uh throw the ball around the yard more so then uh tail and green's talents uh potentially dictate but I don't know. I don't think that you make a hire based on like what your QB one's uh, skill set. No, it's definitely not in college, right? Because well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes more um, sense from NFL perspective, but uh, in college, I just don't see how you can do that. Right. So, I that I think it would be an, that would be an awesome hire for uh, Boise, and if Talon Green is collateral damage, I mean, he's probably out the door no matter what. But yeah, that that's a that's a great call. That would be fun. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if if this situation, like you said, it leads to more players doing the same thing as McAllister, and then kind of forcing the hand of the administration to to get rid of Avalos. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I felt like you know last year the writing was kind of on the wall. They kind of you know blamed the OC, changed OC, and uh, here we are again with the same kind of kind of issues. Um, for them and, and for that team. And yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's time for him to go and be interesting to see who they, who, who they can hire as uh, their new coach. Um, another piece of big news and, and I, we'll get to the injuries in a little bit, but I want to talk about this one real quick because it just kind of came out a couple hours ago and that's a wide receiver, Krishan McCray, Kent state. He was carted off the field Wednesday night uh, with an ankle injury. Um, and um, it was just announced about two hours ago in uh, Coach Kenny Burns' press conference that he will be out for the remainder of the season. Um, and then that's a big blow. He, he was kind of, you know, a, he was a target monster, right? Um, I don't know if they really have anyone else that can kind of step into that role. Um, Kent State hasn't been having a great year to begin with, uh, losing all the talent they lost in the portal after losing um, head coach Sean Lewis. Um, who, interesting enough, got demoted this past week. Um, but that's a whole other story. Um, so, yeah, it be interesting to see kind of what Kent State does moving forward without the services of Krishan McCray. Yeah, it doesn't feel like they have a, a ton of depth to be able to just say next man up there. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, he was kind of like an identity for them, um, mm-hmm. you know, and they don't – I don't think they have anyone else as talented um, – to kind of t- pick up that slack. That's was he kinda, on the roster? Was he on the roster last year? Um, I don't know. I want to say I thought he was a transfer. Yeah, in. I was. Gonna, I was going to say I watched Kent State religiously last year with uh Sean Lewis and that fun offense that they had. But and I don't remember. Um, I don't remember his name being called one time. No, let's see. He uh, was a transfer. Well, uh, from Bowling Green. Oh no, he's no, he's not a transfer. I'm sorry. He well, he did play like he was there last year. Oh. He made his he made his collegiate debut at Bowling Green last year. Um, he played for the Avon Orioles Orioles in high school. I'm not sure where Avon. The only Avon I know is in North Carolina, and I don't think then they don't have a high school, so that's not it. Um, so yeah, it looks like last year he played. Um, he played one game last year. And uh, ha- and had nothing, so that's why he didn't hear his name called. <laughs> <laughs> um, no catches, nothing last year. Um, so far this year, nine games played, forty-one catches, six hundred ten yards, and four touchdowns so far. Yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah, he's uh, and he was someone that you're able to get uh, in waivers. Um, you know, probably through almost half the year, right? He kind of, he kind of, he kind of really took off once you got to Mac Maction, right? Um, before then he was kind of, kind of quiet, but once he got into conference play, he kind of, he kind of took off for him. So he's from Avon, Indiana. 
So, yeah, he redshirted last year. Like I said, only played one game. All right. That kind of leads into something I want to get your thoughts on. And, you know, we've talked about it a lot on this show, and and that's Maction. And is do we think Maction is dead? Um, I want to say maybe it was the COVID year or the year after COVID where, like, that Tuesday night and Wednesday night, there were multiple players, like, putting up monster games um, for Maction. Uh, and we came to love it, and it's kind of like it's been somewhat of a disappointment since then. We're not getting those, you know, multiple monster games on a weekly basis. This past that so past week, uh, this this past week, first week of action, right? Was kind of, if that was foreshadow of things to come. That was very nice. I mean, we saw a bunch of uh, explosive efforts from. Uh, from star players right all and which is great just from a fantasy perspective in the sense that like most of these probably weren't just chilling on the 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 waiver wire uh it was nice to see the niu uh guys showing out trayvon ruolf and uh ontario brown um i and then uh central michigan we saw like their uh running back luke's right put up uh luke's Luke's miles bailey was out luke's had a big game 202 yards and a touchdown yeah I am optimistic the uh, um, on the impact that Western Michigan trying to run 90 plays a game will have on the Maction identity the, these next few weeks, right? Uh, if they uh, like, if they're trying to run 90 plays a game and they're not stopping anyone, those games could get wild. That could be fun. Um, it was. So nice to see Trayvon Rudolph kind of. Um, it was. Yeah. He's kind, of, he's kind of had two big weeks in a row after being really, really quiet. Yeah. You figure it's probably a mix of getting back to full health and Casper, uh, that guy whose last name I can't say. Rudowicz. Uh, yeah. Going out for the year. Uh, hit Props just went up for their game this weekend. He got listed at 42 yards again. Uh, like oh, wow. Just a copy and paste from last week. So. I, I, yeah, I, I, I bet way more than I probably should have on that, but it just feels really good. Hopefully he doesn't get hurt. Um, but that, um, yeah, dude, it, it feels good to have, um, action back, uh, in November. It's like, I enjoyed the, the CUSA, uh, October very much so. And I enjoy the, uh, kind of the weekly midweek, uh, Sunbelt game that we get. And then the AC kind of does some Thursday and Friday type stuff, but, Match in November is like that. Is, that's culture. It's it's awesome. Yeah, and you know, was, I enjoyed the games last week. Uh, you know, that was it Wednesday night, I think, or Tuesday night. One of the, one of the nights with both games that was snowing. Like, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't you know, it doesn't get uh, much better than that. It was great to see um, Harold Fannin kind of have a big game, right? Yeah, uh, I think we had a lot of high expectations for him um, this season. I know he was injured early on. Um, so it was kind of good to kind of see that big game from him. Um, of course, Krishan McCray, before he got injured, was having a huge game, 161 yards, two touchdowns. Um, sadly, he'll, he'll be injured. But uh, like I said, uh, Luke's, Rudolph, Fannin, and McCray all kind of had huge games last week. Um, kind of see who uh, who will pick it up this week for, for Maction. Um, moving on to the American, man. We had, had a couple shootouts in the American this week. Uh, UAB beating FAU 45 to 42. Lajonte Wester going absolute bonkers. Uh, Jacob Zeno continuing his, um, like, like I, I didn't see that one coming, right? <laughs> I, I mean, just totally did not see, you know, Jacob Zeno throwing it all over the place as, as he has been doing, uh, this year for UAB. Um, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't know how anyone could have seen that coming. I mean, Got to credit the coaching staff on that one, I think. Yeah, I mean, Jermaine Brown Jr. getting going now that uh, Isaiah Jacobs um, yeah. is, is done for the year. So that's good to see for, for the fantasy owners that have, um, you know, spent high picks on him and were kind of disappointed because he was, he was you, know, sp- you know, splitting time with Jacobs. Um, it's great to see FAU uh, still doing well despite losing Casey Thompson. You know, Richardson's kind of, you know, Taking over right where right where um, Casey left off and still feeding Wester right. It's a good good recipe for uh, for FAU. The other American game I wanted to talk about was Memphis and South Florida. Uh, Memphis won fifty nine to fifty. 
And Luke wanted to make sure I mentioned. Um, so last week on his on the show, Luke told everyone they needed to fire up uh, their Demir Blacumsa shares if they had them. And the, you know, in hindsight, that was a good call, right? I mean, he, he, the reason he made the call last week was because it looked like Rock Taylor was going to miss some time. Uh, Rock Taylor didn't miss time. He, he played, um, and, and Blacumsa still had a good game. So shout out to Luke for making that call. Um, the American as a – it's really – it's always been a fun conference, uh, in my opinion. Like I've always always enjoyed it. I was a little skeptical coming into this year with a lot of my my favorite American teams migrating out to the Big Twelve uh, now. So I was a little hesitant about what it was going to be like this year, but pleasantly surprised. <laughs> Every time South Florida hits the field, you know there's going to be a hundred points. Um, Temple, if like. You can just throw the non-Warner games out the window, right? Like, dude, I yeah. don't like I don't bet spreads and totals generally speaking, um, because I don't know what I'm doing. But I don't understand how you can set the Temple South Florida game with a total of less than like 90, like this week. It's it's <laughs> only it's it opened at 62, I think it's at 67 and change now, 67 and a half. But like that game, assuming Warner doesn't uh, get knocked out. Um, or Brown, I guess, get knocked, gets knocked out. Like that game is going to be so much fun. I'm, I've got Warner in a league where I start two QBs and I have Castellanos, McLeod, and Brinsanity. And I, I can't not start Warner. I he's going in the lineup. Like I love oh, yeah, all four of those guys, but it, that is the nut matchup. And he's going, like, he, he's not throwing for less than 400 yards in that game. It's going to be at least at least two scores, right? I, like, if you made me top of mind project the mean for him, I would say 450 and three. It's going to be – that game is going to – like, that game should should kick off at 9 p.m. Eastern. Like, that should be prime time. But instead, of course, it's like at noon or some shit. Yeah. Um, I mean, Memphis, this is, you know, two weeks in a row, Memphis has been in, in, in a pretty high-scoring game. They had the – in my opinion, the game of the week the previous week, which was um, when they played North Texas – um, kind of a back and forth game, uh, just exciting. Um, like you said, I think like I think from a pure like football team standpoint, I don't think the American got better. Like I don't think the the team like in real life football that they're better with all those teams from CUSA. But from a fantasy perspective, absolutely better, right? Because none of those teams are great defensive teams. It's um, awesome. And so yeah, it's, it's just shootouts every week, which which is awesome to see. Um, it's kind of funny because essentially, I mean, the American today is was basically Conference USA, what, four or five years ago? Right. I mean, just kind of reincarnated. Um, so it's kind of kind of interesting to see. Um, Sam Houston State got their first win this week as an FBS team. Now, they did beat an FCS team um, in Kennesaw State 24-21. Uh, they were trailing in that game 21 to seven and a half. I, I didn't make a guarantee this week because I had guaranteed that they were going to win against UTEP and they didn't win. They blew that game. Um, but Luke guaranteed a win for them this week. So, so he, he was right on that. Um, I'm not too familiar with Kennesaw state, but do you know anything about the manager? Do they run a triple option or. So am I correct in that next year will be a, well, not we, I guess me, if I guess guess with you guys, but they will be fall under the G five umbrella next year. They'll be in. Yeah, CUSA. well, yeah, because they're joining CUSA next year. That's correct. Yeah, That's correct. I wasn't sure if it was next year. Um, I'm pretty sure it's next year. I don't know if they run a tri- triple option. I, I don't know much about them. I uh, for some reason in my head, I think they run a triple option, but I'm not 100 percent sure on that. I uh, what's it called? I I have this problem where I I, uh, I always need to think I'm the smartest person in the room. In case you haven't been able to figure that tell. Um, and I started Gen- John Gentry over LaDamian Webb, Webb this week. Uh, it d- didn't end up costing me, uh, but uh, <laughs> Gentry, did, Gentry didn't really do much. You'd think uh, FCS, right? The guy was d- getting like 20 touches a game. Nope. Sam Houston very much kind of really played to their record, I would say, this week uh, after yeah. kind of playing above above it uh, in previous weeks. And the weird thing is, is that the last two weeks, um, which which I felt they should have won both of those games, right. um, 
you know, it's kind of opposite this week. They they played really good first half, and they kind of melted down like towards halfway through the third quarter in both of those games. Um, and then this week they play a terrible first half and end up coming back and winning the second half. So um, maybe they can finally put it together where they play a first half and a second half. I, I don't know. Um, I, I, their defense is actually pretty good. Um, their their issues I feel like have always been offensively. Um, I don't think they 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 have a true identity. Right, I think. What they want to do, they can't do, um, and so I think they're having to, you know, throw the ball a little bit more than they want to, um, and and then and I don't know they necessarily, you know, Noah Smith is great and all, but yeah. I don't know they necessarily have the personnel to be slinging it all around. Um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, what is going on with Georgia Southern? They had a prime matchup this week um, against Texas State. And they just kind of crapped the bed, in my opinion. Um, it, it seems like you know they're they've been very inconsistent this year um, compared to last season. You know, very up and down, um, and maybe that's just Davis Brent, right? Um, you know, yeah. Bur- Burgess had a terrible game this week, um, and they had like what one catch for like eight yards or something like that. Um, Hood did okay, but not normal Caleb Hood stuff. Um, they ran the ball pretty well, but you know I, I expected this game to be be a shootout, and Texas State pretty easily handled them. Yeah, it feels like very much with uh, they their identity and Davis Britton's individual identity are kind of go hand in hand this year. The highest to the highs, lows to the lows. Um, the Wisconsin game, right, for Bryn with six turnovers, five interceptions, I think, uh, kind of uh, being indicative of that. And then this week, I, I, I had every intention of watching this game, uh, but, like, the annoying annoying streaming reality where if you're watching ESPN+, Plus, you can't really watch anything else. Um, you can't, like, multicast. Uh, like, so I have YouTube TV, so I can do, like, the four-game-at-once uh, thing if I'm watching yeah, on yeah, YouTube yeah. TV. But ESPN Plus throws a wrench in that right, and that's where, where that game was on. So I watched a little bit, and it looked like things were going to turn in George Southern's favor when they were up. It was early in the game, and TJ Finley fumbled the snap at like the inside uh, inside the five yard line. George Southern scores, they go up, and everything just kind of goes downhill from there. Um, I hope they rebound. Uh, I would think that they will. They've shown some uh, resiliency and ability to kind of forget from week to week, uh, work off of a blank campus canvas. Uh, and so they both some a lot of my, my uh, futures money right now is tied to your old dominion squad in the sense that oh, man. I, <laughs> I'm invested in Liberty. I'm invested in uh, Georgia Southern and both of those teams are still on Old Dominion schedule, so yeah, which is a scary proposition considering you guys are in every single game. I don't, I, I, I've done mostly box score scouting, even though I've caught, I caught some of the JMU game that you guys played. I don't understand how you do it. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me how you're in all these games. Like, just looking at the box scores and even watching some of the gameplay. Like, it, I, I don't understand. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, they haven't, uh, they haven't. I mean, even the Virginia Tech game where, like, the score is lopsided. It didn't get lopsided, so we started turning the ball over. Yeah. Um, that's kind of been, like, I guess the thing is, like, is limiting their their turnovers um, to, uh, to kind of stay in the games. Um, the, defense is, the defense is decent. Um, we don't get a lot of pass rush, which is probably the biggest negative. And, and the offense is just explosive. Um, you know, explosive passing game, explosive run game. Uh, I feel like – I feel like the difference between our wins and losses is the wins we're hitting, you know, maybe two or so of those deep passes. Yeah. And then the losses we're dropping them. Um, <laughs> you know, like the, the, the guy I, I, the, against coastal this past week, Dominic Dutton wide open, you know, streaming down the sideline, hits him right in the hands and he drops it. Um, so I feel like that's kind of like the difference between the games they win, the games they lose um, this past week, the, um, the clock management at the end of the game when they were on offense left a lot to be desired. 
Um, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't run the ball at all. They 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 passed it and had some incompletions, and so they they didn't burn off enough clock. Um, they left a lot of time for Coastal Carolina. Um, is the coastal is the new coastal QB good? Ethan Vasco, yeah. um, good with his legs. Yeah, I mean, from a passing perspective, I wasn't very impressed. He's a local kid. Um, he went to high school probably five minutes from my house. So um, he, he went to Oscar, he went to Oscar Smith High School, which is one of the better um, high schools in the area for football. Um, they've been nationally ranked before, um, and ODU recruited him. He committed to Old Dominion, and then Kansas came calling, and so he decommitted, went to Kansas, and of course set the bench there, and then in the offseason transferred. Word was that he did want to come back to Old Dominion. And Old <laughs> Dominion said, I, no, I don't think so. Um, and so he ended up going to Coastal Carolina. Um, so I, I'm sure for, from his perspective, like he, uh, you know, a little bit of reven- revenge because, you know, I don't know, like he, we turned him down the second time. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, you know. It was kind of a hard pill to swallow, I guess. I felt like that was a, I felt like that was a must-win in order to make bowl eligibility, um, because then they only had to win one of the next three, and they got Liberty, Georgia State, Georgia Southern. I felt like one of those is doable, right? Um, asking to win two of those three—that's yeah. that's a pretty tall, tall order. Um, and so I kind of felt like the Coastal Carolina game was a must-win in terms of bowl eligibility. But like you said, we've, we've kind of been in every game, so it, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you mentioned we play Liberty this week, and 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 most most people seem to think that Old Dominion is the toughest team on Liberty's schedule. So have you all, seen the other two? So <laughs> the um, if uh, if we can somehow pull it out, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I mean at least we have familiarity with Chadwell, right? Um, yeah playing that offense and I mean and, and to be all be honest with you the best game Old Dominion played all last season was against Coastal Carolina and they beat the crap out of Coastal <laughs> um and so um it'd be interesting to kind of see what 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 happens in that Liberty game um all the Liberty haters are, are rooting for Old Dominion um to kind of to kind of knock them off take some of the shine off uh, Liberty's undefeated season but um I expect it to be no different than any other ODU game this year. Really, really close, and you know, come down to the, come down to the end. Um, whoever makes the the least amount of mistakes probably wins the game. So, um, all right, now on to some injury news. We mentioned about Krishan McCray. Uh, we talked a little bit about Ashton Genty. Um, he did not play again this week, and as I said earlier, the rumors are that he might be shutting it down for the season. And uh, and going off to uh, greener pastures, uh, Rock Taylor from Memphis. You know, he was he left last week's game uh, or two weeks ago on a scooter leg injury, but he was able to play this past week for for Memphis. Uh, Carter Bradley did not play this past week for South Alabama with a knee injury, um, so stay tuned to see what uh, what his status is this coming week. And uh, Devin McEwen did not dress and did not play for UTA, UTSA this past week. I couldn't find anything on what his injury was. I don't know if you've seen anything or not, Andrew. No. Um, he's a freshman for UTSA, um, and you know he's, he's been he looked really really good. Um, this is kind of a big one. This next one, Zion Chris looks like he he's out for Louisiana this week, and the rumor is he's done for the season with a fractured leg. Um, so so stay tuned there. Um, Seth Hennigan left the Memphis game. Uh, Memphis had a kind of a couple injuries in that game towards the end. So Seth Hennigan left in the fourth quarter with an upper body injury. He is day to day, and he's questionable for this week's against games against Charlotte. And then also Blake Watson. It seems like every week he's getting hurt. Um, suffered a leg injury versus South Florida. He is also day to day and questionable for this Saturday's game versus Charlotte. Um, if I had to guess. My gut tells me Hennigan plays and Watson doesn't. I don't feel like they need Watson against Charlotte to win that game. Um, but I feel like Hennigan will play. Watson will play. He'll rest again. I think I agree. Uh, JT Daniels for Rice. Um, 
he got taken out at the end of the game um, on Saturday with a possible concussion. So you need to stay tuned for his stats this week. I'm sure he'll be in concussion protocol. Uh, Terry Stewart running back for Bowling Green is questionable uh, for Wednesday's game. It's a game time decision. If he is unable to go to Ron Keith should be the, the running back in his place. Um, as we just mentioned, Grayson McCall sat out again this past week and he's not, they already said he's not expected to play this week against Texas state. McCall. Oh, sorry. Um, is, is the issue, do we know that it's a concussion? It has to be. Um, they it's haven't really said that at this point. But he, my, my, the what I read today was he's going like he's going to see a specialist. I think actually today, um, yeah. I, 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 I don't know if it's a brain specialist or, or what. Um, but yes, definitely a concussion. Um, and if I had to guess, man, like he, it's out. It's it's just looking like he might be done for the season. Um, maybe if they make a bowl game, maybe he comes back for that. Um, and then a uh, guest was hurt too, which led to Ethan Vasco starting. Um, and based on how Vasco played uh, against Old Dominion, I expect Vasco to be the starter from here on out. Yeah. And McCall's at minimum had one concussion each of the last three years. And I feel like, and I'm pretty sure it's more than that. Like poor guy, you play so hard. It's so easy to, root for him and fun to watch him play yeah but i mean assuming like i wouldn't who could blame him right if he shuts it down at this point but bowl game could be realistic for one last hurrah for him yeah um kalen black running back from jmu he got injured this past week um after the after the game um kirk signetti basically just said he got dinged up so be interesting to kind of see what happens um if Kalen Black is not able to go, Tyson Lawton is kind of the man that kind of stepped up uh, when Black was out, and they, I'd expect him to step up for in that running back room and kind of lead the way for them. Uh, Kadarius Callaway for Old Dominion didn't play this week versus Coastal. Um, again, I think he was just kind of dinged up. He was dinged up before the JMU game. He played against JMU, and my guess is he just kind of got dinged up there, and they were just kind of being cautious with him. Um, I did some digging today. And it looks like Marquise Shoulders, uh, the wide receiver from Tulsa, who has missed the past several weeks with a foot injury. And it looks like now they, they're, they're kind of saying he's done um, for the season. Uh, we mentioned earlier that running back Central Michigan, Miles Bailey, uh, missed the uh, this week's past, past week's game with an ankle injury, which was uh, great for Marion Lukes. Quarterback, Utah State quarterback McKay Hillstead uh, took a hit on. Um, Saturday, my assumption is he got his bell rung, concussion. Um, they took him out of the game, put Cooper Lagasse in. And today at the press conference, uh, Blake Anderson said he was quoted as saying, this will be Coop's offense to run for the remainder of the season. So Cooper Lagasse will be starting for Utah State uh, for the rest of the year. Um, and um, if you have Hillstead shares, uh, hopefully he can uh, wrestle that. I think Lagasse has one more year after this year. Is that right? Yeah, it feels like they're investing long term in Hillstead. Interesting to see if the guy stays, right? Right, exactly. Um, and then a quarterback from SMU, Preston Stone, also took a hit on a run near the end of the game and didn't return. So, kind of uh, stay tuned for his stats this coming week. They have they have a uh, a big game coming up uh, on Friday night. Um, G five over P five. Uh, there, there were two matchups this past week, but neither one of them won. But I, I will say, I, I mean, I didn't see the game, but just looking at the box score, it looks like yeah. Jacksonville State played pretty well against South Carolina. So that I, I was kind of impressed with that. I mean, Zion Webb, I felt like, you know, just looking at the box score again, had, had a decent game for them. Um, and so I, I think if you're in a, in a lot of my leagues, um, he's available on waivers. So if, you, if you're a quarter, if you need a quarterback, now they are a bye this week, right? Um, he so, got he got hurt in that game, right? Did he come back in? I don't know. I mean, I just looked at the box score. I only saw Smothers yeah. was like one for four. So I just assume yeah. maybe yeah. Um, he – I haven't seen anything that said he got hurt. And they're on a bye this week too. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, I own Webb and in in one particular league where he start three quarterbacks, 2014 league. And so um, I, after the bye week, I plan on starting them. Um, so you could do a lot worse, I feel like, on the waiver wire. 
But again, it's not going to help you this week because they're on by. Uh, top 25. Um, so Tulane moved up one spot to number 20. Uh, James Masson moved up two spots to number 21. And Liberty jumped into the top 25 at number 25. Um, Fresno State, if you count votes, they were would have been 27th. And then Air Force, uh, which was 17, dropped out after its loss to Army this past week. And that's going to bring us to our Players of the Week. So, Andrews, Player of the Week from James Madison University. Jordan McLeod had 307 yards passing, four passing touchdowns, 104 yards rushing, and two rushing touchdowns in the 42-14 to win over Georgia State. I that, that, that game really surprised me. I mean, I... I expected JMU to win, but I expected it to be a much more competitive game mm-hmm. than it was, especially being at Georgia State, right? So my my insistence on uh, being the smartest person in the room cuts both ways. I start in the league that I absolutely have to win. I start John Gendry over uh, Ladanian Webb, but I was also sketched out going into Friday night uh, and didn't really want to play Thomas Castellanos. Uh figure he's banged up coming to that game Syracuse while they're on quit watch for sure like I just it just felt like that game could get dragged into the mud and I wanted a little more a, a game a, a QB in a game that I thought would be a little more high scoring and I had I had McLeod and I was like it's tough to say Casty but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with that. I think this is the right move and certainly paid off dude won me won me the week got me through to the playoffs so it's Wheels up from here. He also starred in uh, our boy uh, JD Yankees' uh, big uh, tournament uh, winning lineup uh, for this week. So I know that nice. McLeod is not the only one whose heart he is uh, near and dear to. <laughs> it's uh, it, it makes you wonder what um, what the recipe is that uh, JMU has, right? Because they've taken Todd Santeo, right. who was terrible. They've taken Jordan McLeod, who was terrible at two places, and, and they've turned both of them into, you know, at least from a fantasy perspective, um, you know, good quarterbacks, you know. Um, it just, yeah, like I, at some, some point that staff yeah. is going to be going somewhere else. Totally, totally. McLeod, I feel like I you could kind of see it at South Florida, and then he was only on the field for like five quarters at Arizona before he, I think he ripped his knee up. So. But Centeo, just like there was no other way to put what his play looked like at Temple and Colorado State than how you phrase it. He was terrible. He sucked. Yeah, um, yes. so like, yeah, he had a, a little bit in the way of wheels, but like you can say that about a, hundreds of guys on who are quarterbacks on F, FBS rosters. It doesn't mean that they're going to go out and spin you 40, 50 point weeks uh, yeah. and, and be QB1 on your fantasy team, right? So it's ridiculous. Like, all the props in the world to that coaching staff, uh, right? You got, just like you said, um, was Frank Signetti's last name? He's going places, right? Kurt, Kurt Signetti. Uh, yeah. Are, are they brothers? Am I, am I right? I don't know. I don't know if they are. That's a good question. Yeah. One of them is the terrible uh, pit OC, right? And the other is the, uh, is the head coach. coach. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, I, I gotta imagine that they they are they uh, uh, a P five is gonna come calling and yeah, you know, and when it when it does, he'll he'll take a he'll take a lot of that staff with him. But yeah, JMU has been in, in their first two years in the FBS has been very impressive. Um, you know, uh, it'd be interesting to kind of see if they can how, how long they can keep this run up. They they yeah you know, they were. They're a great FCS team. Um, the interesting thing is now they're, they're they they've gotten back with their win over ODU two weeks ago. They've gotten back to 500 against ODU. We played them twice at the FCS level, and we were new. We were brand new, right? Brand new to football, and we were two and zero in the FCS against them. But we're zero two in the FBS against them. So <laughs> payback's a bitch, I guess. All right, uh, my player of the week is Mr. LeJonte Wester, uh, wide receiver for Florida Atlantic. 
He had 11 catches on 17 targets for 219 yards, three receiving touchdowns. They also had one rush for three yards. They turned into a touchdown in UAB's 42 to four or FAU's 42 to 45 loss to UAB. Um, Wester has been like, you know, he's been dynamite uh, for, from a G5 perspective. And I'm pretty sure he, he's probably the leading receiver in all of college fantasy football, right? Um, if not, he's pretty damn close. He's He's got to be like top two. I don't really know who would be higher than him at this point. Yeah, dude's putting up double-digit catches, clearing 100 uh, yards, no problem, and scoring every week, right? It's just hurt. When if you have like a list of those positions that are fancy gold, right? Um, the Herman slot wide receiver is got to be one of them. Uh, I did not draft him in enough places this offseason. I didn't draft him anywhere, and yeah. um, but I did get a share. He was a free agent in a league after oh, like wow. after maybe like week. Two or three, I don't know, somewhere around there. Now this was a it's a C to C league, so it's a little bit different, right? Um, sometimes you sometimes you can find those CFF only guys because folks are are some some of the teams are. In my experience, I feel like half the teams are so focused on the Devi aspect, right? Where they're not really paying attention to CFF only guys. So I did get him in in a league, so you know, glad to have him for sure. Um. All right, moving on to what we're looking forward to this coming week. There are no G5 versus P5 games this week, sadly. Um, we should be getting some coming up, though, right? With the, uh, isn't it like week 12, I think, where the, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. SEC kind of plays a bunch of cupcakes before the final final week? Yeah, I, dude, I was hunting, I was hunting for it. Uh, before week 10 kicked off, I was like, oh, let me go find some juicy week 11 uh, defenses in some leagues. And there's there was nothing out there because <laughs> just like you just said, there's no week 11. Everyone's still being super serious. No one could schedule uh, UMass or some FCS uh, school. Right. So yeah. I had to get a little more creative uh, in terms of trying to do some defense preparation. But, yeah, week 12 is the generally the gold mine for that. A couple of uh, big games this week, and we've already we've already talked about a few of these. Uh, the first one I have on the list is North Texas at SMU. Uh, it is the highest over-under from a G5 game this week. I'm not sure if it's the highest over-under in all college football because I didn't look at any P5 over-unders, uh, but it has over-under of 68.5, and that is a Friday night game. Um, hopefully Preston Stone's back and healthy, and, and this, you know, I'm interested to see how this North Texas offense looks against the SMU defense. I feel like the SMU defense is probably one of the better defenses that North Texas will have played this year. Um, and that defense has been pretty legit uh, throughout the season. So, um, you know, hoping for a shootout from a fantasy perspective, but I, I don't know, you know, how North Texas is going to do against that SMU defense. No, um Stone's the wild card in that game, right? Uh, the thing about North Texas, it's not by any means a secret at this point that you and I could probably run for 50 yards on them. Uh, <laughs> like their rush defenses, I don't know if it's, it is statistically the worst in the country, but it certainly feels that way. So you would think big night coming for, um, if I guess, but it's really a matter of playing SMU running back roulette with Knight right Wheaton and Knighton and LJ Johnson. My boy Tyler Levine maybe falls in for a couple a uh, couple of scores. Who knows? You could see five or six rushing touchdowns from that side. It's it's interesting. Like I haven't had a chance to catch North Texas yet, but it it, it really feels like Chandler Rogers has no problem moving the ball at all against any defense until it gets down to the red zone. And which is like it's not uncommon, right? Um, right. For yeah, I, the, 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 it's just harder, right? There's less, yeah. there's less windows. Yes, yes, I, I believe it. That that's like, well, that that is sticky, and it is a skill, and it is very demonstrative of who is like truly 
truly elite uh what you can do in the red zone but if he i mean outside of solving for that that dude has been awesome so i think they'll be able to move the ball he's moved the ball on every uh defense but they're gonna give if stone plays they're giving up 50 plus and against the smu defense it's tough to see them uh see north texas getting there i can see him getting in the 30s so you know still be still be a good fancy day for chandler rogers and jamori macklin yeah um so yeah uh, we talked about this next game, and that's uh, Temple at South Florida, over under 66 and a half. Um, like you said, it's already it's kind of been going up. Um, you know, Warner was back last week. You know, Temple's just a different team with with him, right? Um, so, yeah, him, him shootout between Byron Brown and uh, EJ Warner looks like it's uh, kind of incoming. I need a I need a five minute break. I'll be right back. Yep. Um. The uh, the next game we talked a little bit about this. That's Old Dominion versus Liberty. Uh, has an over under uh, fifty eight and a half. Um, you know, Old Dominion. Most most folks are at least Liberty haters, as I said. They're they're hoping for um, Old Dominion to knock Liberty off. Um, I don't. If, if Old Dominion is unable, I was going to look up the Liberty schedule here. Um, I'm not sure that they have anything uh, too daunting remaining on their schedule, um, and I, it's 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 certainly possible for Liberty to kind of get in to a a, a New Year's Day game um, representing the Chief as as the highest Chief Five, um, depending on what uh, what happens with uh, Tulane because JMU is not eligible. So yeah, they uh, if, if Old Dominion can't knock them off. They're 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 very likely to go undefeated. They play UMass um, in Week 12, and then UTEP in Week 13. They should they should definitely Liberty should definitely but win both of those games. So yeah, I mean it's pretty much Old Dominion kind of standing in the way of an undefeated regular season um, for Liberty. That's a that's a one o'clock game this Saturday. I assumed. Uh, have you noticed? Uh... When you look at future week schedules, a lot of times the game time is listed as one o'clock and it's just a placeholder. Yeah. I assumed that's what was going on here, but no, for some reason this game is at one o'clock. Like there's no like that time never get like that's a stupid NFL kickoff time. That's not right. a, a proper college football start time. So that, that's annoying. That's frustrating. I would love to see that in, in prime time. I've watched pretty much every Liberty game, uh just from because I'm, I'm invested. Uh right. Um don't really love a lot of things about the institution, about the culture, but et cetera. But I do love Kadon Salter, and I do love uh, seeing them win every week. And Quentin uh, and, Cooley, man. Quentin Cooley has been on fire the last couple of weeks as well. Yeah. Um, and Chadwell's like the system. Obviously, there's overlap with what he did at Coastal, but it, it does look different. And like I don't know if you caught any of the game against Louisiana Tech this past week. They didn't I even. Did not. I did. They didn't even have to like try. It was just like n- not even any of the cool like option shit. It was just all right. We'll hand it off to Cooley here, and then we'll fl- we'll have Kadon uh, flick it down the field. Um, if we really need, if we're in third and medium, third and long, we'll run Kadon a little bit. Like they didn't. Ha- they didn't even have to. I was a little afraid of a letdown, especially given uh like Louisiana Tech could put up points. Um, they're just so inefficient and and like you just you, you can count them for like yeah, five talk or about ten a team that's things. bad in the red zone. Yeah, um, but it was they, they had no chance of stopping them. So this this game though, I am nervous uh, for the reasons we talked about previously. But I I would um, yeah, I, it, you could see this like this will probably game will probably be close, uh, but. Yeah, it's, if, it's on the list for a reason. It should be a good game. If Old Dominion can somehow pull it out, then it kind of renews my hope for um, them becoming bow eligible because then that means yeah. they only have to win one game and they play Georgia State and Georgia Southern. And I feel like they can go one and one against those two. Um, but having to beat them both, man, is, is, is uh, it would be a tall order um, if they can't knock off Liberty. But, you know, all three of those teams that they have left, they're all they, – they could – very well blow out ODU. Um, Liberty is probably the most consistent. 
you know, Georgia State and Georgia Southern have been very up and down um, on a week-to-week basis. I felt like Georgia State had played pretty good, but then you know, they looked terrible against Georgia Southern. They looked terrible against JMU. So, um, yeah. Uh, we got a big Mountain West showdown uh, with Fresno State going against uh, San Jose State over under 56 and a half. Um, that game could uh, kind of, you know, I think whoever wins that game is going to be, you know, probably the, you know, in, in the driver's seat for the championship game. So um, I have, I right before I think you and I talked a couple of weeks ago on in, in the hive, uh, I invested in Fresno State uh, Mountain West futures. And so I've watched the last couple of games even though they've been a little bit later start time, usually feeling pretty good uh, by that, that time of the night. Um, but it's, it feels like they've really caught some lucky breaks these last couple of weeks, even though they've won both their games, both impressive wins against uh, UNLV and Boise. Um, but it feels like things have been kind of smoke and mirror-y. Uh, Keenan, Mikey Keen coming back, he, he's looked good. He, he definitely – looked i think better this past week than the previous week but still like they've gotten some lucky bounces like like i i walked away for five minutes right before the end of the half against boise and it was i think going into that it was like 13 3 and boise was driving and i come back and the score is 20 to 10 i'm like there was a minute left in the half what the hell happened and like boise punched it in and sherrod houses the kickoff with seven yeah, seconds yes. left. like that like I feel like eventually the 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 bounces are going to go the other way. It didn't. didn't um, I think I heard Sherrod had like kind of a fluky touchdown in the second half as well. Really, I, I knocked out at halftime uh, or shortly after after that. I think they they got up on another score. I was like, all right, this thing's put the bed, and then wake up and they bar- they barely squeak it out. Uh, but the, the they're Fresno State's favorite in this game. I think it's only by like a point or so, but still, like I am. I'm I'm sketched out about their ability to win at San Jose State, but even so, I was look trying to figure out just how things are likely to play out from a conference championship perspective, and it still feels like even if they lose to San Jose State, they'd have to screw things up pretty bad because San Jose State, my recollection is they have another loss coming on their ledger. A very um, like they have they play someone else in a tough spot. UNLV has another loss coming as well. Um, and they were in a decent spot with tiebreakers. Uh, so if this would be a nice win for well, they play UNLV and San Jose State had to play each other. That's what so, it is, yeah. right. And well, UNLV well. also plays uh Air Force, who dude, the, every time UNLV plays Air Force, like that will be the that will be a good marker for judging ULV, UNLV this year because you've you, I. I assume you've seen some of those UNLV Air Force box scores in the past. There's a famous one from two years ago where they didn't attempt to pass the whole game. Yeah. And last year was very similar as well, like just total throttling. Um, so you can't think that, or I don't think that like you can assume that UNLV is going to just walk, walk in and beat Air Force. And then if UNLV beats San Jose State, Fresno would still be in good shape, even with a loss here. Um, but it'd be nice to just take care of business. Yes, it would. Um, I, I'm just hoping for lots of points for Sherrod, Cordero, and Nick Nash. <laughs> um, I, I, own, I own them in quite a few, quite a few leagues. So, uh, the big game for Maction this week is Central Michigan versus Western Michigan, which is tom- uh, tomorrow night. Over under fifty six and a half. Um, you know, I, I, I'm still kind of shocked that, like, I guess not totally shocked, but I'm. I'm a little surprised we haven't seen Bert Emanuel Jr. at all. Um, you know, Jace Bauer, you know, he, he's he's kind of been up and down from a fantasy perspective, right? Um, he's not he's not the rusher that Emanuel was, but he does he does do enough on the ground. And then if he can punch in a couple touchdowns um, and then going against Western Michigan, like you said, which is just fast pace, fast pace. So it's going to be a kind of, I feel like a contrast of style, right? where one team's going to run the ball a lot more. And it's not to say Western Michigan doesn't run the ball a lot, because they do, right, with Buckley and uh, Salam and even even Keyshawn King. 
um, but they, they, they seem to run at a much faster pace than Central Michigan does. Um, so it'll be kind of interesting to see which uh, which style wins out there. Um, I, I, I look for it to be a high-scoring game. Um, yeah. Hopefully, and, uh, hopefully, hopefully this can be this can be Jalen Buckley's week to go crazy, right? <laughs> you, you could see it uh, for sure. Uh, in uh, a league that mirrors the 24-team, 3QB best ball uh, league that you've referenced previously that I am in, uh, I have Hayden Wolf in that league just from the perspective of you can't have enough QB depth. Absolutely. And it would like there are there's worse things to have on your roster than a QB who's gonna be quarterbacking 90 plays a game, even though like he's not the most dynamic dude. Like no, I'll, I'll take my not, shot at that. I, I will say this. I will say this about Hayden Wolf. He throws a beautiful deep ball. He always <laughs> has. he does and he always has. But yeah. Uh, other than that, I don't know that I can say anything necessarily positive about him, but I forgot that he, uh, yeah, him and he, dude, he's he uh, was on the other end of all those 80 yard Ollie Jennings touchdowns. Yep, yep, yep. He, uh, I mean, his negatives are he, he's he's very slow to process, um, <laughs> he, he's not good in short, intermediate, but he, he throws he throws a pretty if you give him time, he can throw a pretty good deep ball. Um, and he's not very mobile at all. Um, although I, the game I did watch their game two weeks ago when they played Eastern Michigan, and, and he did he did keep the ball on a run, um, and of course he ran for like twenty five yards. That's because like he never runs. Um, you know, from a I think from a real life football and from a fantasy perspective, you'd like to see him do it more often because like every time he does it, he's naked. There's no one like no one's biting the fake that he's going to keep the ball <laughs> because he never keeps the ball. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, like to see him do that uh, on a more frequent basis, both for fantasy and for real life football purposes. Uh, and then the last game is the high over under game for the Sun Belt, and that's uh, Texas State versus Coastal Carolina at Coastal Carolina over under of sixteen and a half. Um, Man, that I don't know. I don't remember what the spread was, but I don't know that Coastal Carolina with Ethan Vasco at quarterback is going to be able to keep up with Texas State. I, I just don't. I don't know about that. I would lean that. Although it is home. The, yeah, I would lean that the anomaly in Texas State's history of the season is blowing out Georgia Southern and they have played they have played to their competitions level pretty much every other game in the season it feels like for better or for worse no that's true um, yeah so i'll be rooting for texas state uh because they win that game georgia southern looks really good for taking the east um cuz they'll have, they'll have tiebreakers on they'll have, they'll have a lot of lot of tiebreakers like you look at the uh, percentages, um, like SP plus, whatever, um, in terms of who's going to come out of the Sun Belt East, and it weird, weirdly, Coastal is slightly has a slightly higher chance right now per computer stuff than Southern, even though Southern has the uh, tiebreaker on them. Uh, they, they Coastal does have that extra win right now because uh, they played one more conference game, but. I don't know, down to your third string quarterback, Texas State coming to town, like feels like an L might be coming. Yeah, I mean, hell, even ODU, if they could somehow beat Georgia State and Georgia Southern, assuming um Coast Coastal would have to have two loss two more losses though, um, in yeah. conference. Um, ODU could I mean every team every team could win the East except for Marshall. Um, which is that's that's pretty amazing. Um Obviously, you know, the Sun Belt's the best conference every week. Anything could happen. Yeah. I mean, from a from a pure football perspective, I agree with you. I think that I think the Sun Belt is the strongest of the uh, of the G5. I know some might argue the American, but I I don't think I don't don't think so. And then and then they're going to lose SMU, too. So, um, yeah, I think that the Sun Belt. The, the the Sun Belt is where it's at for uh, for G five football, um, and I think 
you know, the, the beauty of the Sun Belt, and I think a lot of people took this for granted up until probably recently, is they know what they are, right? They, they know who they are, they know what they are, and they're not trying to be something that they're not. Whereas I feel like every single team in the American is trying to be a, a, be a, a Power 5 team, right? Um, that's their goal. That's their aspirations. Um, and so they are – there's no um, – I don't know what the right word is. No, there's, there's no sense of belonging to each other, no sense of responsibility – to their conference mates, right? They're every it's every man for himself, more or less. Um, Very nicely put. The Mac has that vibe as well. Yes, yes. They they know what they are, and they're going to be the best at what they are, right? Um, and I think they they own it, and then and there's something to be said for that. I think it helps. It it it, it helps it helps the conference grow. I mean, Conference USA is not very good, and I think American Amer- the Americans on the decline. Um, and, and Sunbelt, uh, and even, even the Mountain West, you know, they, they have their opportunity, or you would think they have their opportunity to kind of merge with the Pac-12 with those two schools, but they've kind of been steadfast and saying, hey, we're not, like, we're not closing up shop. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of prime, I think, for the Sunbelt and maybe perhaps Mountain West to kind of vie for that uh best uh g5 football conference moving forward well that is gonna do it uh for the show this week thank you for uh thank you for joining me andrew definitely uh, definitely appreciate it always look forward to uh getting to talk some uh college football specifically g5 with you uh pick your brain a little bit it's always always a good time Um, this was fun you can find andrew at andrew p cats uh he has his own podcast, Burning the Red Shirt Podcast, which is, I've said last time Andrew was here, is a great, uh, a great listen. It's one of my, um, it's one of my favorites, um, just because it's, you know, it reminds me of like me and a buddy going to the bar and you know, drinking beer and talking about football, um, and so and I, and I love that aspect of the show. So if, if you're not a subscriber, please subscribe to Burning the Red Shirt. Give give. Uh, Chris K and Andrew a follow as well. Um, you can find me at justice underscore two, three, one, eight. Um, in addition to the G five hive, I do a podcast uh, dedicated to college IDP. And I also do some work uh, CFF and IDP work over at campus to Canton. So uh, thanks. And we will be back. Uh, Luke will be joining us back uh, next week. We are bringing you all that uh, sweet nectar on the G five uh, week 11 games and all the news that we can find concerning the G5. We thank everyone for your support. We ask you please like, subscribe, retreat, uh, rate, review, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, as well as YouTube. And uh, with that, we'll see you next week. Go, 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 go.